Hey, Bobby. How's it going? <laughs> happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial. Are we supposed to wish people happy Memorial Day or is it more of like a somber? Somber day? Memorial Day. <laughs> I feel like I need a refund on Memorial Day this year. Really? What happened? Well, it just snowed and rained the whole day. Oh, okay. And it's kind of, traditionally, it's supposed to be kind of the kickoff to summer. You'd barbecue or you go outside or whatever, but it was kind of kind of miserable weather yeah the afternoon was pretty good yeah that's true but yeah the whole weekend was a little bit of a stormy weather out here in the mountain west the great uh, how come i'm having to pause when i say that the great state of utah are we still a great state depends on uh, who you ask if you ask the WEF, then yes, you are a very great state. So uh, if we did some slogan hats, make Utah great again, that would be instead of MAGA, it would be MUGA. 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 Yeah, but, but just saying anything like that is hateful now. Anything Making anything great you again? can't make anything great ever again. That's hate speech? <laughs> is it codified as hate speech? Like in New York and California? I think it's in the Constitution. The people of California have uh, discovered that make something great again causes cancer. It's warning. Yeah, well, yeah, but here we are. How many products cause cancer in California? All all products carry a cancer warning for California, don't they? Yeah, everything from like clothing, I think, to lawnmowers to... The state of California has determined that thus and such causes cancer. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you must slap this warning on it to sell it in California. Yeah. Yeah. So is California the root of all evil? Is that the problem? Is they, they've, they move the markets. They move the markets of the United States and therefore they move the markets in the world Maybe. I, I don't I think their influence might be waning a little bit, but they do still have a very big economy. There's still a lot of people there. Was there like a quarter of the population lives there? Or the United States population? I don't know. I was looking at this the other day with one of the listeners. I think it's 39 million people living in, in uh, California, so it's closer to 10%, 12%, 15%. Proposition 65 requires businesses to provide warnings to Californians and everyone else about significant exposure to chemicals that cause cancer, birth defects, or other reproductive harm. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought California wanted to do away with reproduction. They do. They do. But only reproduction of the undesirables. What they want to do, the way they re- reproduce now is they indoctrinate everybody else's kids and turn them into NPCs. So they don't have kids, but they want to teach. That's why they want to teach your kids. Yeah. 
Because they don't have kids. That makes a lot of sense, Mr. Flood. <laughs> well, anyway, how was your weekend? Anything interesting happen? Uh, you know, pretty standard. Was it now? I, uh, I watched a group, speaking of NPCs, I watched a group of NPCs stand behind Justin uh, Castro. Or Tim- Justin Timberlake? Trudeau. Castro. <laughs> Justin Castro in Canada. Uh, basically announced that they are taking away all the guns from people in Canada, and all these masked NPCs were behind him, just nodding like. Now they puppets. proposed. They proposed this as legislation. Is it going to pass? Yeah, I think it will. As a former visitor to Canada, Canada, I I you don't, really think it's going to go through. Yeah, I mean, I think Canada's tipping over the edge. Now they were using this shooting in. Um, how, how are we pronouncing the city? Texas. Texas? That's not a city. What's the name of the city? Uvade? How so, how's it like being that. pronounced? I, I don't know. I've not actually heard a lot of like news coverage on that event. Yeah. I've, I've read some, but I haven't watched uh, much of it. If you're unaware, and it's dominated the news cycle this uh, last several days, um, let's see, is it still on Fox? No, the Michael Sussman trial is still... Uh, well, is now the top of the news because the verdict is in. If you're, if you're not up to speed, there was a shooting at a school last week right after our podcast. The important events seem to happen like right, isn't that kind of, it's, it's a little bit inconvenient for the podcast, so just put this out to the universe. We'd like the events to happen right before we talk so that we can have a, a good discussion while it's fresh on our minds rather than having to wait a week. So these big events uh, need to sort of shift their scheduling a little bit. But if you're, if you're unaware of what was going on, there was a deranged uh, young man, what, 18 years old? Mm-hmm that uh, shot a bunch of kids at an elementary school in Texas. Uh, horrific situation, and now the Democrats are politicizing this, the statists are politicizing it, and of course, as they do every shooting, and they want to take away everybody's guns over this. Which, I think if we just made a policy amongst rational people that no, we, the second amendment is not negotiable. We will never, ever, 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 ever under any circumstances turn in the guns. Maybe they would stop with the school shootings. I mean, if they weren't publicized, if they weren't, if they didn't make such wide news, if kids wouldn't get it in their heads that this is a good idea. It seems like it's been a thing since Columbine. Yeah. And there's been a few school shootings of mass shootings. There was the postal postal worker that went in and shot up a bunch of people in the 90s, right? This is all uh, pursuant to, pursuant now, pursuant sounds causative, so you, you make the decision here, but pursuant to the formation of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms in the 80s and the National Firearms Act of 1986. We didn't, we, we didn't have stuff like this going on. I mean, you had people like John Dillinger and Bonnie and Clyde shooting up people, but in the, 
you know, the kinder, gentler times of America? Is that what we want to call them? <laughs> Before the internet? Right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, homework <clears throat> that somebody could do to try and get to the bottom of these types of events. Uh, I've seen anything from um, uh, uh, the rise in certain types of medications that might be behind some of this. I don't want to say it's causative either, but I think it can be a contributing factor. Um, I think you could look at the the you know the internet, the instant fame. More recently, I think social media can really uh, play a part in this kind of thing. Now you have people streaming events like this. Um, but one thing I don't think is a major contributor, if at all, is the availability of guns, because guns have been available in the United States to people for, you know, our entire history. But it's always guns. It always comes back to guns. Nobody ever wants to talk about anything else that might be a contributing factor. It's always the gun's fault or the availability of guns or some gun loophole law. I mean, and you always hear things like, well, we need rational and sensible gun laws. Well, we have a whole bunch of laws in the United States from state to state about the deal with being able to get a gun in your hands and what kind and how many bullets it can fire before you have to reload and all of this type of thing. And it doesn't, those, those things kind of like the COVID mitigation measures just don't have any, don't seem to have any influence. Crime is, some of the worst gun crime in the United States occurs in country, in states and cities with very, very strict gun laws. So like most of our problems in the United States and throughout the world, we don't want to look at the, at the actual root. We don't want to get to the root and the cause of of issues, because I think those are uncomfortable conversations. Instead, we want to politicize everything. You know, there's that guy, what's his name? He's run for Texas governor. His name is like Beto. Betos. It's a, um, it's a chain of uh, burritos. They do Mexican food. Beto? Betos? Betos. Betos, yeah. This is a different than that. This is a, this is a, is a his person. name O'Rourke or something? I think so. Beto, Beto, Beto O'Rourke. That's a Mexican slash Italian or no Irish food joint. He uh, he interrupted the press conference from for the governor of Texas, and immediate. This was like the day after the shooting, and immediately started to spout political sloganeering and things, and was summarily shouted down by. The governor, uh, not the, well. The governor, or the, but, but uh, mayor a, of the city, a, right? A ma- the, mayor the, of the, the mayor called him, a, I think, a despicable human being or something for for doing what he was doing. Yeah, we could probably find that on the internet's. But immediately, th- this was politicized, and now you have Joe Biden saying that the Second Amend- Amendment is not absolute. You have Justin Trudeau, who is the leader of a completely different country, um, paving the way for Canada to. Canadians to have to turn in their guns other than maybe you can keep a 22 or something. Well, they were using the shooting uh, in Texas as um, ammunition for this. What's really interesting, though, is this particular shooting, from what we are being told, should have been prevented. 
and it was a complete failure of local law enforcement and uh, school officials. And that's 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 just horrific. What what happened there with the cops? I mean, you had a you had the chief of police or sheriff or somebody on national television saying, "Well, we didn't go in because we could have been shot." I mean, I mean, that's just a. If that doesn't sum up the last few years of uh, kind of adult adult viewpoints and in, in, in policy, I don't know what else does. Where we've we've allowed young people to suffer so that adults can feel safer. Well, ultimately, this was resolved because a, an off-duty border patrol agent, whom the government seems to hate, the border patrol for some reason, like they're always going after these guys. This dude uh, runs in there and uh, takes out the shooter. He was uh, almost killed in the exchange. I think he got, uh, there are whole, like holes in his hat. Um, he's a hero, apparently, and took out the threat. And I think the police, there were even reports of the police uh, stopping parents from going in. They were pancaking, tackling people, trying to keep them out of the building when they wanted to go in and do something about it. Well, it sounds like the shooter was kind of lingering at the school for 10 or 12 minutes yeah, before he shooting went across in. the street or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like he was hiding or something. He was firing across the street. And so uh, there's a lot of things that if somebody had a little bit of a conspiratorial bent, you know, a little conspiratorial mindset, you might think that this was allowed to happen, which is, um, it makes it all even worse. If, if, it's, if these are the type, <clears throat> if these types of events are being planned or orchestrated or, or just allowed pro- to happen, provoked even. the idea, the idea, I think here, if there's a rational or more, a more likely conspiracy scenario is that the cops were told to stand down from some higher up or well, regardless of if they were told to or not, they stood down. They stood down and uh, knowing that, that innocent, unarmed, helpless people were being shot. And, and that's like the opposite of what a cop is supposed to do, right? They're supposed to run into those situations and um, try to save lives. At least that's the traditional superhero comic book version of right of technically the technically the technically the police and this is the biggest argument for self-defense is that the the police are not charged for with protecting the public they're they are supposed to catch criminals people right. they are they are supposed to apprehend criminals who uh have already have broken the law yeah but in this and that's that's the tricky thing right that's the argument like we we all have the right to life. That means we have a right to defend our lives and a right to self-defense. Yeah. See, I have a friend who's a, uh, an acquaintance who's a police officer, and he, from time to time, gets to quote people the intro to the to this series. I think it was NBC Law & Order, which, by the way, was a huge propaganda piece for many seasons. Very successful, very interesting, but uh, they were... Oh, with their ripped from the headlines, they were always trying to push the discussion towards their status narratives, and because it was about New York cops and New York prosecutors, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, you remember that 
how that started, it would always say, in the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, the police who investigate crime and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. So the pr- police investigate the crimes and the district attorneys prosecute the offenders. Mm-hmm. The, this uh, police officer I was talking to, he says, yeah, see, people are always trying to get us to do things that we're not supposed to do. Yeah, I was speaking to a, a police officer a year or so ago, and he said a lot of their time is spent answering, uh, you know, domestic disturbances, you know, like uh, couples, fi- couples fighting, and maybe someone throws something or it turns a little bit violent, and and a lot of these things that he did, he he kind of said, this isn't the type of thing that cops should be doing. There should be a different type of person, whether it's social worker or something that yeah. handles this kind of stuff. Now, there's some gray area there. If if uh, if a crime has been committed if we, or suspected crime or if something is very, you know, if there's a knife or a gun involved, you can kind of see how it gets a little bit gray. But yeah, his point they're, was they're stretched thin already. Yeah. Well, and also it it's like using a hammer to, uh, you know, bake a cake or something like that the 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 domestic disturbances in a lot of cases might need some more finesse but i don't know if i i don't know if i like the state being involved in any of that because their their version of uh child and family services and and stuff is take the kids away right now granted there are certainly domestic incidences of abuse so the the problem is there's this grand spectrum but uh in a lot of cases, and this is uh, something that uh, women may may not necessarily like where this 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 next comment that I'm about to make, but in a, in a lot of cases, men, because women throughout uh, the last throughout our country in the last many decades have figured out how to manipulate the system, this this comes this type of uh, situation presents a a big problem for men because women can easily get their significant other or husband thrown into jail for the weekend and, and cause a real problem by calling the cops and um, exaggerating the situation or simply plainly stating it. Like, for example, I'm not sure you're aware of this, folks, but if you're having an argument with your wife or your husband and if you break something, anything, like a pencil... If anything is broken, that is the standard by which the police are required to take you out of the home in custody at the time of the argument if they get involved. So if you're angry enough to break something and you do break something, a picture, you punch the wall, whatever, that's the standard by which they judge and they uh, then are required to to separate the parties and have a cooling off period. I'm not sure if it's a technical arrest or detention but that then factors in to any future negotiations you might have. Like if your marriage is on the brink, uh, a lot of women will set that up or men will even set that up to try and get a restraining order against their spouse so that they can have the upper hand in, in the fight for custody of the kids and all the, all the marital assets. So this gets to be a really, the domestic disturbance thing gets to be a really, really, really sticky issue. And it's the police get used as a, a crowbar, a blunt instrument, uh, hammer, whatever, to hammer the other party in a lot of cases. And um, the legal system in many states 
has long been set up to favor the women. And, and so in a lot of cases, the men get left out, hung out to dry. And there was an interesting documentary done about this. Now, I'm not, I'm, this is from the male aspect. I think it's important because men in our society are being steadily diminished. So the, this, they're, they're being steadily emasculated, right? They're, they're, their role as defenders, as people who can take care of, you know, the, the order in society, just regular guys, that's being replaced by the state. When, when you know, women, single mothers don't have that protector provider, then who, who comes in? Well, it's the, the state benefits, right? That uh, poor women generally tend to have to turn to, right? And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have some help, but it's just that the, the situation is is a slippery slope where the more you can get w- rid of the men, the more you can get state benefits for the ladies and the kids. Now, this is a this is a real problem in the UK because there are a lot of women that have kids just to get the the state benefits, right? They're, they're, there's an epidemic of single mothers in the in the United Kingdom because they have just copious benefits they like to hand out. But if you look at the overall creeping nature of how the, the system the system tends to perpetuate itself and enrich itself and expand itself, the war is the war on men. And there was a documentary done called The Red Pill. Did you ever see this, Bobby? Um, I don't think so, but I think we've talked about it. Yeah, the red pill was a documentary that was done by a feminist girl who was um, going to expose the craziness of these male rights, uh, men's rights protesters, these guys who were claiming that they had been persecuted. And she goes out and starts to, 2016, it was done by a, a girl, I believe, named Cassie J. Anyway, she, it, it, it's, a, it's titled The Red Pill, A Feminist's Journey into the Men's Rights Movement. And I think you can still get it on Amazon if you have Amazon Prime. It scores an 8.1 on IMDb. <laughs> and it explores today's gender war and asks the question, what is the future of gender equality? That's, I'm just reading from IMDb here. But... She starts out as a feminist. She wants to shed light on these crazy guys, and she finds out through her careful research that the system is incredibly stacked against men and built to destroy their lives, to essentially take them out of the equation. And, and so it's a really, a really strange dilemma in which we find ourselves today. We have a, generations of people who are ill-equipped to deal with the world. They need the state. The state has done a good job making them dependent upon it. And so for men to make a comeback as the providers, as the defenders, as the protectors, it would require, I guess, you know, mass repentance, mass changing of the mind. and men would have to be willing to t- stand up and take a stand and say, hey, we're, we're willing to do all these things. We're willing to act like men. Right. I think um, 
I think that that is one of the reasons there is some Im- cultural importance to the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard trial. Have you? I know I haven't been I following been, that. Uh, I know you've been following it. <laughs> Tell me about it. Let, bring us all up to speed. Well, I kind of got sucked into it, and I've followed it quite a bit because it's so it's so absurd. This right? is now, if I understand it right, this is Johnny Depp suing Amber Heard because she's damaged his ability to make money, yeah. so he needs some of the money back from their divorce. The the quick version is that a few years ago, so Johnny Depp and Amber Heard were married for a short time, like a year or so. They got divorced. And then she wrote a op-ed um, where she didn't name Johnny Depp, but she implied that he was physically abusive to her. And this was during the Me Too kind of frenzy. And she was trying to kind of capitalize on that, I think. And as a result, Johnny Depp was canceled. He was fired from Disney for his role for, uh, you know, uh, Jack Sparrow, among other things. And so he counter, he, uh, he sued her for defamation. And there's been some other lawsuits involved with them, with those two, and I'm not going to go into all of it. But this particular trial is a defamation lawsuit where he's suing her for $50 million because he's saying, I can't get work anymore. Now, I think the real reason he's doing it is to tell his story in a public format. And, and this, tri- this trial has been publicized. It's been you know, streamed on the internet, and you have all kinds of people. See, what I would do is I would watch a streamer watching the show <laughs> so it's like watching two shows in one, but so somebody's commenting on the commentary. Yeah, and it's been so absurd, but and yet it's this super serious setting of a courtroom, and and you have, you know, lawyers talking about, you know, turd and things like that. <laughs> and it's just, but I think there's an important underlying uh, aspect to it, and that is what you've been talking about that that men men have often unfairly been the target of abuse. And there was even this whole movement as part of the Me Too movement that, that was called, you know, you probably remember, believe all women, right? And that's such an absurd thing. You can't just automatically believe anybody. For, you know, you have to investigate these that things. That might be why all the men wanted to switch to be women. <laughs> right. I mean, especially when... when uh, you know, uh, allegations of criminal activity are involved. You can't just simply believe the women. I mean, look what happened a few years ago with the Duke, the Duke University lacrosse team. Some women made some allegations, and it just about ruined the lives of of several young men who were innocent. And th- there's a pretty good documentary out there that I think ESPN produced. On what's that. it called? Uh, I don't remember. If you search in the Googles for Duke lacrosse ESPN documentary. It should come up. It's part of their 30 for 30 series. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, what, what's revealed there is that some, some hungry, greedy district attorneys or attorney general or something like that got, you know, got, uh, uh, saw an opportunity that, truth be damned, saw an opportunity to uh, enhance his own career and, and, you know, kind of perpetuated the lies and just about ruined the lives of several young men. Well, I'll leave it to the listeners to Google search that. 
Yeah, and and you know, and this so this Johnny Depp thing. I'm not going to say that Johnny Depp's a stand up guy. He obviously has some problems, but I I don't think that he's guilty of what Amber Heard is accusing. And so he's punching back a little bit, pun intended. Um, and uh, she, in the end, whether she, whether the he wins or loses this trial, in the end, uh, he's won in the court of public opinion. And I think she's probably regretting all of this. But anyway, that's kind of a little different tangent, a little different direction than I, I thought we were going to go today. But but interesting conversation nonetheless. Because, well, no, the point is about self-defense, I think. Well, that's, self, yeah, in self-defense and the role of a protector in society, right? Who, now, who well, do by we the way, there was, a, there was also last week a an incident in West Virginia, I believe, where there was a graduation party going not on. Not allowed to talk about this. We're not allowed to talk about this one. That's right. But we are going to talk about it on the Mind Virus show because I'm going to just force my way through here. The there was a graduation party going on, and there was some dude racing through the ripping through the neighborhood. Somebody yelled at him or said "slow down" or something like that. He got angry. Comes back 30 minutes later with a rifle to shoot up the party, which is it's strange because. You know, getting back to our, I know I'm taking a tangent here, but something is wrong in the world. It, it's as if all flesh hath been corrupted before his face and gross darkness covers the earth. It's as, it's as if we are really in the end times because people are behaving very, very badly as if possessed or under the influence in a lot of ways. We, we, we're literally... I think seeing a devolution of civility, which is, um, it's hard to put a finger on why it's why it's happening. Was it COVID? Was it has it? Is it the propaganda, the mindless propaganda? Is it the video games? Is it the internet? Is it all the hate that the media is? I mean, it's funny because the media will say we, we're anti-hate. We you know we hate hate speech, and all they do is hate hate hate. That's all they all they promote is how much they hate other people and they hate, hate your ideas and they hate your freedoms and they, you know, you should hate each other. And it's all controversy, right? It's like the, the lawyers at Ammonihah who get paid for controversy. Go read Alma chapters nine through 16 ish in the book of Mormon. It's very prophetic. Uh, that ends badly by the way. (laughs) Right. So, uh, anyway, um, there was this potential shooting in West Virginia and some lady who's a concealed carry permit holder, rather than running and hiding, she immediately engages this guy with her pistol and kills him. She fatally wounds him is what it said, which I, I find funny in newspeak. This woman fatally wounded a man. There's another word for that. That means she shot him dead. <laughs> okay. Right. Which meant that the threat was over and she saved a bunch of lives. And it was the top story on Zero Hedge for a couple of days, but nobody else really mentioned it. Fox News mentioned it way down, like page three, four, whatever in newspaper speak. But nobody else really, really um, touched it. Nobody wanted to touch it with a 10-foot pole because these things happen all the time. Shootings or, or violent crime is very often stopped by good people with guns and 
there's, I think, I remember seeing at some point, I guess I'm going to have to look for this, a website that would track these incidences. Like it's happening multiple times a day throughout the country. People are averting crime with guns, especially handguns. There's an estimated, it's estimated that, and I'm bringing this up, that's why I'm stalling. Oh, great. This thing got like, this website got like, I don't know, I clicked on it and it just brought up a weird ad, so I got to try it again here. But it's estimated that like thousands, hundreds of thousands of crimes are prevented every year in the United States because of gun owners. Um, Just based on, some of it's kind of assumptions based on other data. But the fact is that, that guns, guns are preventing more crimes than people are committing with them far more in fact it's easy to say based on historical precedent that guns in america are averting genocide in a large swath of the world because america has its guns our government has only been able to run amok to the extent that we see today, which is insanely amok, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> I mean, and becoming more so. And becoming worse, but it could be a hundred times worse to the point of Maoist, Stalinist, Pol Pot-ish genocide. I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of people over the last century killed by who? Unaccountable governments where the populace is unable to fight back. The reason that America has been able to maintain some semblance of civility, some semblance of continuity, the main reason, the number one reason is the Second Amendment. Right. It is the principle upon which most of our freedoms stand, whatever freedoms we still have. It is the, it's the reason, one of the reasons, I think, why in the West and in Midwestern states and in the South, that the COVID restrictions had so little pull, so little weight amongst the general populace. I mean, people would tend to wear the mask where they had to when a corporation was enforcing their will upon the, the people. But the, the tyranny that countries like Australia, Canada... Germany, France, all of those, all those guys experienced did not come to certain parts of the United States, I think largely because of the Second Amendment and the types of people who, the, those, those places being populated by majorities of people who think that way, who think that they deserve the right to defend themselves and that they deserve the right to take, to make independent decisions about their own health care. Funny that those two things seem to go hand in hand. I can defend myself against a virus the way that I want to, and I can defend myself against violent crime using whatever tools are readily available to me. There's not not an instance in, in history where the population was disarmed and peace and harmony ensued afterward. No, generally it's tyranny and war. So according to this website, um, every year about 2.5 million 
there there are 2.5 million incidences of self-defense people using a gun in self-defense and in 90 more than 90 percent of those a shot is never fired but just showing the gun just knowing that someone's arm can de-escalate a situation a lot of those are home defense what's Um, the title of that article it's at gunfacts.info. Okay, we'll link to gunfacts.info. And this is on that side, it's their guns and pr- crime prevention section. We are neither pro gun nor anti gun, they say. We are pro facts and anti BS. <laughs> okay. Yeah, pro math and anti BS. Oh, okay. So I got an ad or something here. It's not the most. Um, modern looking website but they have uh they have all of their stuff sourced um links to those sources and things so but uh i went through this i went through this website a while ago during the uh, rittenhouse trial another good reason i think for these high profile cases to be televised the the fact that the rittenhouse trial was televised made it easy for the pub- public to hold the press accountable when the press was clearly misrepresenting or just flat out lying about what was being said and done in that trial. Maybe the Johnny Depp one is a little less consequential, but it's important that, that some of these high-profile cases be televised so that we can watch and make our own conclusions and then, again, hold the press accountable for their obvious lies. So anyway, you're saying that 2.5 million crimes per year are averted? This is what it says. Every year, people in the United States use guns to defend themselves against criminals an estimated 2.5 million times, more than 6,500 people a day or once every 13 seconds. Of these instances, 15.7% of the people using firearms defensively stated that they almost certainly saved their lives by doing so. How many? 15.7%. 15.7%. 15.7%. 15.7%. Of the people using firearms defensively stated that they almost certainly saved their lives by doing so. Which means there's a lot where maybe they didn't know. I mean, depending on your state that you live in, you can't pull that gun out unless you feel like you're in danger. Okay, so that means 392,500 people almost certainly... Saved their own life or the life of someone else? Saved their lives by doing so, according to this text. And that's the standard, the legal standard by which you, you judge the idea of whether you should pull out your gun. Because that's if you pull out your gun, you, you, and you're pulling it out with the intent to possibly use it. And you need to uh, believe that there is an imminent threat against your life or limb or the life or limb of someone in your immediate vicinity that you could reasonably think to save. Now, one <clears throat> three hundred and ninety-two thousand people per year mm-hmm. think that they literally, unequivocally, no doubt about it, saved their own life. Right. According to this, well, it must be true. It's on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Again, they have sources for this stuff and you can dig in and well, find out if are these republicans or democrats are they well the sources are, they, are, they, are these sources that ksl would use the uh, local uh, communist rag 
for example, the source for that one is the Journal of Criminal Law and Criminology. Oh, that sounds and like that's a from the nineties. Conservative so rag. Well, you can make your own decision. I'm sorry for being sarcastic. The point is no, that this it. is this is. This is crazy that we're it's we there under no circumstances we need to start a campaign just say no to gun control under no circumstances should they get any more laws on the books it's already illegal what the kid did it's already illegal that sounds like the police didn't do their job there were plenty of uh, psychological indicators that were ignored in in Texas this was a travesty it was a, a tragedy a horrific situation but it does not mean that good people should give in to evil statists well and here's the this makes me very angry here's one of the huge hurdles in the United States is that there's already like 400 million guns out there uh, a gun buyback program I thought it was more like 600 million Maybe it is. A gun buyback program, like they're trying to institute up in Canada, is not going to get 600 million guns off the streets. So they're already out there. Um, my, I have a, you know, if you want to put a tinfoil hat on, I, I, <clears throat> I don't think anybody in Congress is anti-gun. I think they're all very much pro-gun. They want these gun sales to spike because they benefit financially from, from that happening. And so when these type of events happen, <clears throat> or there's some, uh, I, mean, I mean, the greatest gun salesman in the history of the world is Barack Obama. When he got into office, he made noises about gun control and, and uh, limited magazines and stuff, and gun sales skyrocketed. It was hard to get ammo for a while. It's hard to get ammo now. You know, the COVID pandemic it was getting, reaction. It was getting easier. Spiked a lot of uh, gun gun sales, ammo sales. Joe Biden is is always tried to kind of be an anti-gun uh, politician. He also famously and stupidly said, "Just buy a shotgun and blast it off of your porch," because that's responsible gun ownership. <laughs> So you're defending essentially your prediction that they wouldn't get any traction on gun control. You think that this is just all talk? Well, I, I don't know. It's not all talk in Canada. Now, I think Canada, it's funny. I saw a comment that said, you know, thank goodness Canada isn't, isn't owned and operated by the NRA like the United States is. And I thought, oh, oh. please. I thought, well, the NRA, the NRA has very little influence, but also I'd rather be owned isn't and operated. NRA, did they declare bankruptcy? I think so, but I'd rather be owned and operated by the NRA than the WEF, because <laughs> Canada, Canada is is moving rapidly down a very dangerous path. We saw with the way that Trudeau treated the trucker uh, protests, peaceful protests of truckers. He used force to to move them out of there. He shut down bank accounts. He's got guys in jail. We you see here in the United States, people from January sixth who just for going into the Capitol that day, which they were escorted into and let into, there's plenty of video evidence of that, are still being held, some of them without trial, without bail, without anything. They're just, in, they're just basically like Guantanamo, D.C. version. But I think that we can never underestimate, we can never underestimate the... Uh, the desire that our politicians have to get gain. And they'll do anything, including 
they'll 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 let people die if it means they can get gain and get rich and famous and more power more control and so i i I don't know how serious they are on some of this i i think that if they were more serious they would have just simply banned certain types of guns like the ar-15 which is the 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 latest one to be uh you know it's always right the the ar-15 is the big boogeyman right is a small caliber rifle like it just looks kind of scary because you have a you know, kind of has that tactical. Design. Well, the problem is, it's the most useful uh, ergonomically. If you've shot a lot of guns, you want to shoot that one because it's super accurate, very easy on the shoulder, and so even though it's a small caliber rifle, yeah, it's a two two three caliber, so it's about mm-hmm. the size of a twenty two caliber bullet, but it's a lot longer. It's about the diameter of a 22, but it's a lot longer, and the case has a lot more powder on it. So you'd be considered right. a high-caliber, uh, sorry, a small-caliber, high-powered rifle. Right, but it's center fire rifle. It's not one that you would, while it's, I think, technically legal. It's not a real ethical gun to even hunt deer with. You wouldn't hunt deer with. Well, an depends AR-15. on how the circumstances, how good of a shot you are. I've seen well, guns you, taken with a 20, 22 long rifle. Yeah, you can take a deer. Or sorry, deer. You, you can, but you've got to be pretty close. And look, the, the, the mule deer here in, in the great state of Utah are, are tough. They're big animals. And you'd be much more ethical. Again, I, I, I uh, stress that. Humane. Humane. Um, and, and the anti-hunters are screaming right now. You're using words like ethical and humane about killing animals. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, you'd be much better off with something like a 270 or larger. But the the point being that these aren't um, like military grade rifles. The the United States Army doesn't use AR-15s as a combat rifle. But the AR-15 is in the crosshairs. Another pun. Uh, of the the band, say that the, again. Of the gun banners, you said the U.S. Army does not. I don't think they use AR-15 as a combat rifle. Now, why do you make that statement? Uh, because I think they use bigger guns. Like no, they the, use they they use uh, what's called an M4, which is right. a fully automatic or a select fire version of the AR-15. That is the standard combat rifle. It is, is it a fi- the, it's five five six NATO, which is two two three yeah, caliber. Yeah, same as two two three. So that is the most ubiquitous in the NATO uh, armaments. That is the standard rifle. Okay. But it's not the AR-15. It's the M4. It's a select fire version of that, which means you have a full auto switch, or you have a switch that goes from safety to single fire to either three round bursts or full auto. Right. Okay. So that is the that is the uh, the standard fighting weapon. But it's not. Technically, by definition, you can't call anything an assault weapon or an assault rifle unless it's fully automatic or it can fire three-round bursts. If it can fire more than one bullet with a single actuation of the trigger, then that would be considered an automatic weapon, and then you have what you might call an assault rifle. An AR-15, as a semi-automatic weapon, is not an assault rifle. But they want to call these assault weapons because assault sounds dangerous. Right. Everybody else calls them sporting weapons, and I would call them weapons that should not be infringed upon because the Second Amendment says that they sh- the right shall not be infringed, period, end of story. And, and th- that, that may sound a little bit uh, precipitous, but technically, 
our right to keep and bear any type of arm should not be infringed. Now, I know what you're thinking, Bobby. What about nuclear weapons? Should we just let anybody like Bobby Flood or Jordan Bruno have nuclear weapons? They got to get their hands off of the mic, off of the trigger, right? <laughs> I'm sorry for fuzzing um, that up. Um, I mean, <clears throat> the, what, the, you, the, you, let's you, talk you, about the Second Amendment. I, I've seen recently people saying like the Second Amendment was written when the best rifle you could get was a musket. It's like, well, okay, it was still the best you could get, and it's also not true. There were at that time you could get you could get pistols that were like six shooters. You could get you could get um, cannons. There was no law against owning a cannon. Uh, a lot of the Again, and I've also seen well-regulated means the what it mean what we think it means today. No, well-regulated just simply meant back then, well-trained, ready, uh, ready Minutemen, right? The Minutemen were well well-regulated militia. They weren't the the government's army, if I remember right. That's a good question. Is what is the definition of militia? Right now, to, today a militia is a far right group of skinheads that are stockpiling weapons in northern Idaho or something, and that's might be true, but well, it's the, also the, not the, all encompassing. The legal battle surrounding the the Second Amendment has often said that the right only applies to a militia, and so that's an important. I think that's an important discussion because the text of the amendment says, and I quote. This was, by the way, the Fourth Amendment proposed. The first two did not get ratified. Therefore, the third became the first. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, etc., etc. We talked about that recently. Again, Congress shall make no law. It's unequivocating, <laughs> but all they do is make laws, right? A well-regulated militia, this is the Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So the statists among us would say that the, that the right to, to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed is dependent upon this introductory clause about a well-regulated militia. It says the right of the police to keep and bear arms, right? <laughs> the right of the state to keep and bear arms. <laughs> oh, okay. Remember, this was, this was uh, something that the states... The, the Bill of Rights says that the, the conventions of the states at the time of adopting the Constitution expressed an, a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers and that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added. Who's, it gonna, who's this declaring and restricting? The government, the newly formed government of the United States, the federal government. So the, the preamble to the Bill of Rights is really important here. The, the point is Congress shall make no law means Congress should not be making laws about religion, free exercise of it, abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's what the um, January 6th thing was, was a petition for the redress of grievances and a peaceable assembly except for the agent provocateurs. And, you know, they've completely misconstrued what it was. The, the, the language here has been so twisted. The, the, I mean, <laughs> Congress, all they do is make laws regarding this stuff. Well, anyway, the Second Amendment 
it's it's long been argued that that introductory clause means that this only applies to the militia, and most of the statists in the last 50 years would say that the militia is essentially the National Guard. The National Guard is the militia. Right. And English professors that are not woke or whatever, you know, rational people for the last 200 plus years have come to the defense of the, the Second Amendment and pointed out that, look, it does say the people have the right, first of all. Secondly, uh, well, and we'll get to this in a minute, the definition of militia is not what you think. And thirdly, the introductory clause does not place any sort of a restriction on the, the statement or the meat of the amendment that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. If you were to change this and say something like, a well-educated populace being necessary to the security of free states. So that's sort of an introductory rationale. One of the reasons why the right of the people to keep and read books shall not be infringed. If you were to say that, nobody in their right mind would say, well, um, you know, that's only because we want a yes, well-educated populace. Yes, and- they would. <laughs> we didn't have the internet back then. Yeah, so we can't have books anymore. Okay, you're right. NPCs are going to make whatever arguments the oligarchy feeds into their brain. Well, anyway, the definition of militia. The militia is, and always has been, any man and his sons and their guns. Right. That's it. Well, we, we, know, we know that the Second Amendment has long been infringed upon. Yeah. I mean, going back decades, right? And by the way, regulated does not mean restricted. Controlled by the government. It means that we actually have it. How many militias do we actually have out there made regular? Well, not, not many That's, anymore. We could argue, based on uh, the Second Amendment here, that we need lots of militias. They need to be made regular, and they need to be uh, reinvigorated. Otherwise, we're going to lose our free state, which is exactly what's happened. It's happening quickly, and it's happening quickly in Canada right now, and that, that, that's disturbing to see. We're, we're not far behind in the United States uh, in many ways, but I do think that, I do think that, that all of these people in government are benefiting from this scare, and they, they want us to go out and buy a lot of guns because they can make money from that. No, it doesn't mean they still won't try to ban certain types of weapons. You know, they can't they dance around stuff, right? Like limiting magazine mm-hmm. size and bump stocks and suppressors and other things like that, which really don't do anything. They're just lip service to the lobbies, the anti-gun lobbies. So you're saying the <clears throat> that the energy around this is intended to try and sell more guns? I think the energy around this is to agitate people and to distract them from other things and to make the election coming up about something other than the last two, two and a half years of government overreach. Do you think that the uh, oligarchy wants to ban the guns? Uh, Ultimately, yeah, of course. Okay. Of course. I mean, you you take away the uh, population's guns and you take away that population's freedom. Now we've discussed Walter Mitty's second amendment before the idea that the Americans don't ever really use these guns to affect real change in government. Right. 
but I think just the fact that they exist can deter a I lot think, of stuff. Yeah, I think it creates the, the line, uh, it moves the line back a long ways as far as what kind of tyranny our government is able to foist upon us compared to some of these other states that are becoming apparently failed states, communist states. I don't communists not even the right word. Uh, just flat out tyrannies. What is Canada today? You can't say you can't go protest. You you're going to be there. You're you're going to be forcibly inoculated or injected in Canada. Yeah, Canada is becoming like Australia, New Zealand. They're becoming client states of the WEF or whoever controls that. Right, the oligarchies, client mm-hmm. states. They're the we've said before on this program. Is you are being programmed. We've said that they they are beta tests. They're the the trial run for what they can get away with in the West. Those are some huge beta tests. Oh yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And and it worked. Do By you, the way, your favorite prime minister, Yacinda Ardern. I saw she spoke at Harvard. What? Du, speaking of WEF, WTF? She did speak at Harvard, and she also caught COVID. At Harvard. I think shortly after, and and also uh, Gavin Newsom, I believe, caught COVID from her. (laughs) From from Lucinda Ardern? (laughs) They both caught it after being together at this Harvard thing where they were widely applauded because communists love communists. And that that demonstrates that this war is, uh, has been ongoing in the mind for a long time, right? Because people literally are are stepping over themselves killing themselves trying to get into Harvard right and trying to pay what is it like $500,000 for an education there it's not it's certainly not among the cheapest educations right is it the most expensive i probably not it but, might be i know they have like a gigantic endowment and you you can't get a scholarship there you only get a scholarship if you're it's based on your needs right I, I I don't know. I haven't looked into it. All I know is that if someone goes to Harvard, you they'll tell you. Yeah. They'll let you know. Yeah. A, a lot. And, and it's like a a secret club in and of itself. You know, you don't have to you don't have to join like if you go to Yale, you don't have to join Skull and Bones anymore. You are you're in by just by having gone. Did did you know uh the technical, like the, the the match, the spark, the actual events. Do you remember what it was that sparked the Revolutionary War? Like the, it wasn't the Boston Tea Party. I'm talking about the actual. You mean the shot heard around the world? Yeah. Remember what that was all about? That was down in Kentucky, wasn't it? <laughs> uh this is in Massachusetts. Oh, oh right. Okay, Kentucky um, was not a st- not a colony at the time. Or not one of there the was something colonies. to do with uh, something in the town square. I, no, no, no. It was when the, Ferdinand was assassinated. Okay, that was the First World War. Oh. Okay, this is uh, perhaps the only virtuous war that the United States has been involved in since its inception. Uh, the war for independence where the colonists who had been here for, uh, when we look at American history, it's interesting because you kind of start in 1776, but it really starts back with all the colonists, you know, the people that were leaving the old world for various reasons. They, they wanted to strike out 
uh, create a new life for themselves. They, they wanted to get away from the tyranny. You know, I, I've argued that um, the reason that you get such great things out of America is not so much uh, the it's not so much the principles. The principles are important. They're necessary, right? The principles are critical. The principles of liberty and freedom and the things enshrined in the Declaration of Independence, like that our rights come from God and that they're unalienable and that uh, it's your right to protect yourself and to, ha and to have uh, a say in your governance, right? Th those ideas are important, but that's not what allowed this to happen. <laughs> Because, I mean, from the oligarchy standpoint, this is out of control. The people seem to think that they can think for themselves, and that's why they must be constantly bombarded with propaganda and constantly controlled, right? Well, the thing that uh, one of the main factors contributing to the freedom of the American experiment was, I argue, the lack of proximity to tyranny is the frontier so that they got away from it. They got away from the old world. And if you read the Book of Mormon, <laughs> it's pretty clear that the Lord intends to lead people over here. You know, when he wants to, to bring up a people with more light, he gets them out of that problematic situation and brings them to this new world. Well, you can go read Nephi and Lehi's comments on that if you want. The battles of Lexington and Concord occurred in the spring of 1775, one year before the Declaration of Independence, right? And in 1775, arguably, there had been a significant population here in America for 150 years. So there had been a lot going on, a lot of, a lot of uh, lack of proximity to tyranny where people were getting confident in their ideas and their their identity as Americans you know they were identifying less and less with their brothers across the pond as they say and uh, developing an American ethos and American ideas well according to history.com the battles of Lexington and Concord fought on April 19th 1775 kicked off the American Revolutionary War. Tensions had been building for many years between the residents of the 13 American colonies and the British authorities, particularly in Massachusetts. On the night of April 18, 1775, hundreds of British troops marched from Boston to nearby Concord in order to seize an arms cache. The American Revolutionary War was fought over gun control, folks. Let that sink in. By the rude bridge that arched the flood, their flag to April's breeze unfurled. Here once the embattled farmer stood and fired the shot heard round the world. Gives me chills. <clears throat> Paul Revere and other writers sounded the alarm. The colonial militiamen, these are local men and their sons and their guns, began mobilizing to intercept the Redcoat Column. A confrontation on the Lexington Town Green started off the fighting, and soon the British were hastily retreating under intense fire. From what? 
the most technologically sophisticated arms available to the men of Lexington and Concord. More, many more battles followed, and in 1783, the colonists formally won their independence. Okay, that is the reason for America. That is the, that is the catalytic event that shaped the last 250 years. Lexington and Concord. Because brave men recognized that if the British got a hold of their cannons, now we're not talking about, it says an arms cache here. This is clearly whitewashed to history.com. It says it's an arms cache. What they had was military-grade weapons. It was as if it were, they were seizing the, the National Guard Depot or, or Fort Bragg or something like that. They were going to come take their tanks, their F-16s, their nuclear weapons, all the all of the war fighting equipment that the colonists had put together, that's what the British wanted. And let's be clear, these were cannons, okay? I, I'm not I'm not just making this up. These are not they, it wasn't just that they had a bunch of rifles there. Why didn't they just have a bunch of rifles there? Because they had the rifles at home. <laughs> okay? <Right. laughs> this is this is so Obvious that I mean I'm, I know for the listeners of the Mind Virus podcast I don't need to articulate it but I'm articulating it for you so that you can explain it to brain dead people later on okay they had the rifles at home and at the the, the thing that the British were going after was the cannons and the gunpowder and the cannonball and everything that would allow the colonists to wage war against them that's it that's why we have America because those guys were brave enough, ballsy enough to think that they could govern themselves and that they had the right to do it and that they were going to keep the equipment to make themselves effective in a war, a real war, with, fought with all the technology available to them at the time against their overlording British brothers. Period. Full stop. End of story. You are free because your progenitors kept their guns. You have America. You have everything you have. You think what you think. You speak what you speak. You know what you know because these people would not give up their right to bear arms. End of story. Okay, we'll see you next week on the Mind <laughs> Virus podcast. I mean, I don't know how to make this any more emphatic. Well, no, I mean it. You can't. You can't. And and it is it is the fundamental. I mean, I, people say things like the First Amendment protects the Second Amendment, and the Second Amendment protects the First Amendment, and all, of and course, that's all the rest. And it, and, and they're right. You know, our ability to think and say what we will, and then to defend ourselves, is fundamental. That's not invented by the Constitution. It's just we. It just is. It exists. We've been endowed by our Creator with, among among others, those certain rights. Right. The right to throw off the governments that oppress you. That's one of those rights. So we're in for uh, we're in for an interesting uh, path ahead in the United States, and we've talked about that a lot over the years. Of you know, we can say years now on this podcast. Years, boy, it's, it seems like forever ago. <laughs> No, it does. It's it seems like forever ago that the that the evil oligarchy foisted upon us 
all of the fear and propaganda and onerous restrictions and requirements relating to coronavirus. They yeah. have to do that because <clears throat> they have no leg to stand on. They must lie. They cannot advance their agenda based on good, rational, righteous principles. They must lie. Right. They're evil. Well, I, I know that uh, you are short on time today on this holiday weekend. Yeah, but I'll talk weekend. on and on and on and about this. It, n- today is, is not Memorial Day. It's Tuesday the 31st, but we do have uh, some things going on in our regular lives. Let us never forget, never, ever forget why we're here, who, who these people are that we ought to memorialize. Right. You know, right. the, the, wars, the wars fought in the 20th century, the World War I and World War II, may have been dubious as far as the, rational, the, the real rationale as to why they were fought, but they were fought by good, well-meaning men and women who were defending their, their homelands on both sides in a lot of cases, who, who had believed the, the uh, information to the best of their understanding, they thought they were doing what was right. We, got to, we have to remember that <clears throat> innocent, regular people on both sides of every war are the ones who suffer, the ones who cause and fund the wars, and, but do not fight them always benefit. And, and that's true of a traditional war. It's true of these cultural wars that are being fought in the United States and elsewhere. And I think it's true of the gun control war. I think that the people, that the, the same people are funding and waging that uh, it's true war, of the war on, on both sides. The war on drugs, the war, the war against the ravages of the pandemic. Right. I mean, everything right. has to be a war. They frame everything as if it's a war. They're always on a war footing because they can use that to justify emergency orders. They can make it sound fearful and dangerous. Um, there's a song I'm looking for. See if I can find it. And you know what? It's, it's interesting that everything gets framed as a war because that's what this world is. And we've talked about that. This is the war world. This is where the war that was begun in the heavens continues today as we determine the loyalty of the souls here, whether they're loyal to the gods of this world or the, the gods, the fallen gods, the rebellious gods. We are here to be proven herewith to see if we will do all things whatsoever the Lord our God, Jesus Christ, commands us to do personally, individually. You find it? I can't find it. Sing it. Red Vine will love it if you sing it. Uh, it's like a rap. I can't rap. <laughs> okay. War on drugs. The war on p- p- this. The it's war, war on, on poverty. The war on illiteracy. It's a good song, and I, I cannot remember it. I'll have to find it, and we'll play it another time. There no, is... we, are, we are caught in a war. And it's, there's, a, there's a fine line. You know, there's been so much in this war. There has been so much uh, propaganda put forth to try and make you think... <clears throat> that you're worshiping God when you're worshiping some other guy. Uh, I don't know if we want to go here, but, uh, and this would be a good way for you to send us off. You gave a talk in your sacrament meeting this week. 
Maybe. Maybe. It's possible. You won't admit to that. I attended and listened, and I thought it was great. And um, it, it was about the attributes of Jesus Christ, which I think is critical to discuss, because in order to be saved, Joseph Smith informs us that we must have a correct understanding of the character, perfections, and attributes of our God. And that's because the other guy claims to be your God. He claims to be the only begotten. He says it to Moses in Moses chapter 1. I am the only begotten. Worship me. He wants you to focus on him, worship him, do all of his bidding, war against the people he says to war against and the concepts he says to war against. He wants to get your mind on his side. Therefore, a correct understanding of the character, perfections, and attributes of the Lord, Jesus Christ, is critical. Right. Well, tell us about this fellow. Tell us about this person. What were, what were some of your, what, what are the things that we need to know so we're not deceived so that we, um, so we can end up worshiping the right <laughs> God and be proven loyal and be saved. Well, you, like you said, you've got to go to the source and it's got so to be you the mean, right you, source. So you mean your, your pastor? You mean uh, the pastors, uh, the council of, of, uh, of elders that manage the pastor? I mean, you could. They're the source? You could, but you I wouldn't the call se- them the... You mean the 70 that wrote the Septuagint, those guys, the, 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 the scholars? You could certainly con- consult them, but the source is the source. It's Jesus himself, and you can go to him. You can go to the Father through Jesus, through prayer. And like the New Testament, like the and you know we're t- we're promising John that we can see his face and know them know him as he is, and we're that 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 promise is found all through Scripture, and we sort of <clears throat> we sort of um, we kind of overlook that I think, or maybe think it's metaphorical or reserved for other people, but no, we can see his face and know him as he is, and he is a source of truth and light um, and life. And uh, we have to seek that out. We, we have to. He taught us to knock and it shall be opened. Knocking is an action, right? You've all heard that. So I think one of the, one, a, practical, a practical thing that we can do in this regard is to shut out all of the things we know are bad sources. Don't drink out of the dirty rivers and the dirty wells. Um, and seek truth. Just constantly, constantly, doggedly pursue truth. And uh, yeah, you have to use prayer, you have to use study, and you have to kind of measure everything you hear against what you already know to be true. It's not that easy, though. It, it isn't. This world is noisy and, and corrupt, and it's full of liars. Everybody's a liar. Yeah. And, and I mean everybody, especially the people in power. What? On the other hand, our God is the God of truth. But how everybody claims to have a lock on truth. What is it? Elaborate on that. What is it that allows us to recognize the Lord? By their fruits. Okay. Is I mean, he always nice? Uh, by today's standards <laughs> of nice, like, no, of course not. Like, truth is divisive. Okay. Truth, truth is... Like divide, division and divisiveness or whatever and disunity are like the biggest crimes of modern times. But 
truth is, is, is divisive. It's going to divide people, those who believe the truth and seek the truth and those who don't. Is he effeminate and broken like we see on so many crosses? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think is so. He, is he like a little uh, submissive lamb or, no, is he, or is he the Lion of Judah? I think he was a very assertive. I think he was a person that walked into any room, no matter who was in it, and commanded that room and commanded attention because he was, well, he was divine. But he, Did he mince words when he was confronted with the, uh, the authorities of his day? No, of course not. Okay. He, he was bold and he spoke the truth because he is the truth. Yeah. He is the source of, of all truth. Now he did speak in, in uh, parables. Yeah. He was careful, right? That, the, the definition of meek, I think, is lost on us. Meek means technically power held in reserve. We think meek means that you bow the head and you submit to uh, other, other people, but he submitted to his father's will. Right. Okay. That was the only person that he submitted to. And um, his will was, of course, that uh, he allowed the Jews to crucify him. Right. It seems like he was submitting to their will. He was not. He was submitting to his father's will for his father's purposes. And right. it condemned us. It more fully condemned us what they did to him condemned this world and allowed him to take it back. So that's, that's widely misunderstood. When he, when he is asked by Pilate, art thou a king then? And he says, well, if my kingdom were of this world, my followers would come and we would, we would rectify the situation. Right. Paraphrased by Jordan Bruno there. <laughs> but, but, uh, but he says, no, this is, this is what's supposed to happen. And Pilate's like, I find no fault with this guy. You want to, he looks, he's very kingly. You, you want to kill your king? Let me dress him up with a, uh, a reed and a purple robe and and a crown of acanthos. Have we talked about the crown of acanthos? <laughs> it's uh, in the Bible uh, lexicons. Uh, acanthos is a thorny plant. Uh, you see the acanthos on the Greek columns that are the Corinthians with that really leafy green. Mm -hmm, right. If you were to look up acanthos, that's the word uh, that they translate as crown of thorns. Right. Uh, it's a it's a pink flowery leafy green thing, and it makes total sense because in the ancient world you would instead of having a Stephanos a crown of um, iron a heavy crown you'd have the olive wreath that you put on the victors' heads. Look at the busts of the Roman emperors; they right. didn't wear they wore uh, they wore the wreath, you know. So that's what they that's what Pilate put on his head. He didn't put a crown of thorns. Sorry, Mel Gibson and everybody. It, <laughs> It's funny because in the if you go to biblehub.com and you look up uh, you look on their definition of acanthos it says a thorny plant and it says some so boldly translate this as acanthos so it's funny because the word is acanthos and then it says they boldly translate this as acanthus which is a plant that we know and have known for a long time right <laughs> so a thorny crown though is much more dramatic oh it is very dramatic for art and Cinema. But put yourself in the context of them in that day. Yeah, yeah. Pilate presented him as the king in purple, arrayed in purple with a staff, a scepter that would have been widely recognizable in Egypt, a long staff, and, uh, and with the crown of Acanthus. And um, says, you want to kill this guy? And then I think that, you know, the, the Mel Gibson 
stuff. I, I haven't seen the passion. I've seen plenty of other renditions of the, of the whipping and the, um, I've, I've extensively studied the events of that time, especially the Gospel of John. Uh, I am told by teachers who I think are credible authorities that the whipping was Roman ceremonial um, formality. What you would do is before you, before you went f- before the governor, Pilate, uh, they would whip them to, and it stung, you know, but it wasn't the cat of nine tails. It was just to to let them know that they were serious and that if they didn't tell the troop truth, right. worse things would follow. So this comes from people like Jack Welch, John Hall at BYU. John Hall was like the former um, president of the American Classics Association. He brought the Etruscan ex- exhibit to BYU. He's mm-hmm. like like one of the world's renowned Roman scholars. And he, his take on the Gospel of John and the events of the crucifixion is very, very enlightening because it didn't quite happen the way we see it in the movies. But uh, the point is that the Lord wasn't completely physically destroyed by his captors, and they put him on the cross, and that's enough to kill anybody. And uh, in the end, in the Gospel of John, he shouts, it is finished, or I have, I have conquered, I have, I have accomplished everything I need to accomplish, and then he gave up the ghost, is the way that John translates it or says it, Meaning, he gave up the spirit. He left right. to go on. He, it was like, okay, the body's done here. I lay it down, and he go and he goes on to continue to perform his uh, fight to, to continue to take back the world from the evil one and uh, wins the victory over death, and then ascends to the highest to be again with his father. So. Uh, this is our God. And to quote Joseph Smith in section six of TPJS, page 345, these ideas are incomprehensible to some, but they are simple. And it is the first principle of the gospel to know for a certainty the character of God and to know that we may converse with him as one man converses with another, and that he was once a man like us, yea, that God himself, the Father of us all, now we're talking about the Father, not just the Son, God himself, the Father of us all, dwelt on an earth, the same as Jesus Christ himself did. And then he goes on and says, I will show it from the Bible. Read King Follett. If you're, read Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith if you want to learn more about the character, perfections, and attributes of the man that we call Jesus, our Lord and our God. When we look at the, the problems in the world today, the solution is more Christianity, more Jesus, more Jesus Christ. It's, it's more you talking to Jesus. Right. It's, it's... Because I think the institutions <clears throat> have failed us, and we've talked about that. Right, but it, it's... Extensively, the, the cure is to this all of this evil is Christ. He is the cure. Mm-hmm. But you can't can't just say this is what Jesus would do. Right. You know, this is how Jesus would act. Jesus would get a vaccination. Jesus would have worn a mask. Right. Did we or did we not literally see people saying that? Literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Jesus would. Jesus would respect. 
uh, rulers and magistrates and follow their laws, even when it infringes upon their rights, especially in an emergency, right? Right. That's what Doctrine and Covenants section 134 says. No, it does not. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm getting really riled up here, Bobby. Send us off. I'm, I'm zipping okay. my lips. Okay, well, I'm done. I'm done. We hope everybody had a good holiday weekend and we hope you have a good week. We will be back again next time. And uh, for the agitated Jordan Bruno, I am <laughs> Bobby. You. I am Bobby Flood sending us off. Have a great week.